Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Uh, if guys want to want to know what the urgency looks like in Week 16, they probably saw some of the practice today. Um, you can't help it; just naturally, things amp up a little bit and. We're in the playoffs, so that's the first uh, exciting part. But, but that's not the goal starting the season. The goal is to win the North, and we got an opportunity this week to do that. So there should be uh, no uh, no questions about focus of anybody on this squad and, and the readiness to play. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf on a Friday as always, or as we call him here, Manny. (laughs) That is an inside joke that I'm not going to explain. So, uh, (laughs) I think it's self-explanatory, right? (laughs) Well... We get confused sometimes. <laughs> Some on the internet needed explained to them. But yeah. uh, how's it going, Mark? There's more than one brother on the radio. It's going well. <laughs> it's going well, man. I just had to say that. All right, now I have to say it. I've been mistaken for many people. Sometimes before. you get confused on the internet, but yeah. Manny and you do not have remotely the same voice at all, and yet that happened last Friday, and I can't stop laughing about it. But anyway, yeah. here, we, here we are. It's bowl season. Um, it is. Declan, I need you to do me a favor. Declan's in here doing the video. Yeah. Can you please turn on a bowl game? Yeah. And throughout the Which game, bowl is it? This is the Bahamas Bowl. Oh, I thought it was like one of those uh, two-piece and a biscuit bowls, you know, with those weird names yeah. that don't really have like a real uh, sponsorship. Yes, this is the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. I apologize okay. for not giving its full name and sponsorship uh, on your wonderful network. And it's my UB Bulls are taking on Charlotte, who apparently has a college football team. Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, so throughout the rest of the season and the bowl season during the show, I may just stop whatever conversation there is to give you an update on various bowl games. Right now, UB is up 7 nothing, and you'd be surprised the number of people who are interested for one reason or another. One reason might just be, like me, pure love for yeah. bowl games. Another reason might be, you know, the, the wager or two that people put on Gambling. these things. Yeah. Uh, it's the only reason you have 58 bowl games. I, I can't gamble, not just because I'm a reporter, but also I get way too mad about losing. And so if I put $4 on the Bulls to beat Charlotte and they lost, I would be so mad for yeah. like a week. You, you know what always gets me in bowl season? Is when you look at the ratings for these bowl games that you're like, that doesn't register. Nobody's watching that. Oh, and, then you, and then you compare them to like some regular TV show or another sporting event, and you're like, wait. That beat 
this show that I think is really popular. Like college football is a monster. It's just it's just a behemoth, man. Well, it kind of reminds me of the Pro Bowl, where even though we all think it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard of, somehow eight million people will watch it every single year. And uh, I do think there's a difference, Byron, and we have Vikings, Packers, things to get into. But I do think there's a difference between being mad about someone playing in the Pro Bowl and being initially selected to the Pro Bowl. I want that for Eric Kendricks and his family, (laughs) that he's earned it. He's earned calling himself a pro bowler and not having to get in with, oh, well, six other guys got mysteriously sick the week of the pro bowl. So you got in and it doesn't really mean anything. It's an honor for someone like Kirk Cousins or Eric Kendricks, especially Kendricks, who's never made it before and has been good for a long time. And for him to not get it because Bobby Wagner and Lou Keekley have the name recognition, but not the performance of Kendricks. PFF put out a big article about how Kendricks has a case for defensive player of the year. Not just, oh, he deserves it, but he has been one of the best players in the entire NFL. And I want it for them. I want them to take the Pro Bowl, put it in a spaceship and send it to the sun. Yeah, But I want Eric Kendricks to get what he deserves, if that makes sense. I, no, I, I agree. Uh, side note, it looks like part of the Bahamas Bowl is a dance contest. So oh, right. I should be a part of that. Yes. But um there's one where they race tractors. It's always fun stuff, man, they do. But no, <laughs> Kendricks clearly um you mentioned PFF. I think a I think there's a generation coming where you know the analytics will will matter a lot more um and, and we'll look at things like that more closely when it comes to making selections. I always look back at like old players, you know, you type in Thurman Thomas or or Sperry Sanders. And like one of the first thing you notice is six time pro bowler, eight time pro bowl. Like, so it, it it matters, you know, these guys disappear rather quickly after they retire and they're they're forgotten outside of their sort of local audiences. So to have something like that on your resume, to be able to say, I was a pro bowler, that, that means a lot. So he clearly deserved it. Um, and it's unfair, I think, that he didn't get the nod. But I also think that we understand what the Pro Bowl is all about and what they aim to recognize. I totally agree that it matters. And I had some schmuck send me a tweet today about Jim Marshall saying he was only a two-time Pro Bowl, so he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Because I was ranting yesterday yeah. about how Jim Marshall belongs in the Hall of Fame. That by pro football references metrics, he's the 31st most valuable player Ever in NFL history, and that doesn't mean that every year he was one of the best players, but uh, or like a, an elite, elite player, top five. But he played for a really, really long time, and he was very, very good for that long time. But there were a lot of other great players on those teams, a lot of other great players on defensive lines in the NFL, and he got left out of Pro Bowls. And if and if that's going to be a metric we use sometimes to evaluate whether someone should be in the Hall of Fame, then I want it done right. Uh, I was told a story today that just made me sad inside that several players who didn't want to fill out the Pro Bowl ballot about their peers, uh, someone else just did it. Someone else. They, oh, you, yeah. you like have the to, AP football poll kind of? You have to turn in the ballot. Somebody does. Yeah. So somebody else did. And that. That's how we're doing this. We're doing it with fans. We're doing it with players who don't look at the metrics. They also don't look at the tape when it's not players they're going against that year. So they just have some perception of like, who's good? Oh, we played that guy two years ago. So he's got to yeah. be a pro bowler or something. Uh, but, but it's not a fair process at all to get these guys in. And it, des- it deserves to be corrected because it is frustrating. Yeah. I'll, I'll counter with, you know, reporters being allowed to vote for the Hall of Fame. I, we're all vulnerable to bias. 
you know, you cover a certain team that faces a particular player 10, 15 times, mm-hmm. and you see that guy versus maybe seeing someone else on the other side of the country uh, that's a better player from that era, uh, that could swing things. I mean, the, the Terrell Owens stuff didn't make any sense to me. Like, you you were punishing him for what? I mean, right. he might not have been the, the guy who was the most friendly to the media, but in terms of content, who gave you more at, at that position <laughs> yeah. Yeah, during that era? Yeah, he did not hurt like, the media so, business. You no, know, that's for sure. If you showed up, uh, Terrell Owens gave you a story. So I, I think there are elements of that as well. It's like, okay, can we trust anybody to, to vote on any of this stuff? Like, You don't want it to be computerized. You don't want it to be like formulaic. But I think at some point we've got to move toward a metric that goes, okay, we're going to give you the human side. But then there's also going to be this other side that says this is going to impact the ranking because that's what it should be all about. I don't want to take away the human element in any of these mm-hmm. things, but I do want there to be sort of this undeniable, this is why this dude deserves to be in. Yeah. And then you factor in the human vote and all that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it can't be entirely on the metrics, but with someone like Eric Hendricks, I mean, this is for the Pro Bowl. We've watched every snap. And you think, well, who could be more deserving than a guy who's kind of carried the defense at times, aside from Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin? But this defense has not been perfect. And whenever they need a big play against Dallas, against Detroit, he's been there to come up with it. And then when you look at those other factors of, well, how many pass deflections does he actually have? Oh, way more than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, you know, how is his tackling versus how many missed tackles does he have? Oh, less than everybody else. Yep. I mean, so, so the metrics match up with what you see. And, you know, I, I think you want to always marry those things because we do have statistics that point to players looking better than they are because of circumstances and easy schedule or maybe your team is really terrible. This would be the argument for Stefan Diggs versus Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is that those guys are both really good, but their team has been losing a lot because their quarterback throws a gazillion interceptions. So how are they going to get back in games? Throw yeah. and throw and throw and throw and you end up with really good numbers for those guys when maybe they didn't have as big of an impact on winning as Stefan Diggs did, and it ends up being very uh, convoluted, but the Hall of Fame, I, I think, misses a lot because of it. I think there are a lot of players who are sitting at home that should have yellow jackets that don't, and, and the Pro Bowl misses even more, yeah. where guys get in entirely on what they used to do, and this is an Aaron Rodgers-Cousins point, and not what they've done. Yeah, and, and reputation matters a lot, matters a lot not just... Uh individuals who may be underperformed down the line and you just assume they're good. Uh, defensively, I think it matters a, a ton because if you're a part of a Ravens defense, uh, one of those defenses where you're like, oh man, those guys are always good. Yeah, You get elevated in, mm-hmm. in the eyes of people. People don't look at the individual numbers. And, and I think the Vikings, it, it if you're a voter, I think there are voters who are out there going, they can have three guys in the Pro Bowl from that defense, you know? Mm-hmm. So that happens, I think, in the voting process. So um, I just want a way to give guys like Kendricks the the credit they deserve and to give them a fair shake that human error, uh, you know, can't, won't eliminate their opportunity. I think Charlotte may have spent too much time on the beach at the Bahamas yeah. Bowl. Because they just threw an interception. They're already down 14 nothing. The UBB uh, Bulls really giving it to them here. I mean, you think anybody <laughs> made curfew on any of these teams? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, coach, uh, 10 o'clock. I'm, I'm in the room. Thanks for checking. Yep. Like, come on, man. You're in the Bahamas. And then you tell these kids, don't want any money. Don't don't accept any benefits. 
But oh yeah, go go play football in the Bahamas. Right, right, exactly. That's not confusing. But also, I'm just happy for everyone from Buffalo who probably has yeah. it bad in the winter right now that all those players <laughs> endured that and then they get to go no. to the Bahamas. Yes. Uh, my wife was the play-by-play broadcaster when we lived there for the women's basketball team and they made the tournament. And so they were sitting there waiting and going through, who are they going to play? Who are they going to play? And of course, the players go, maybe we'll go to Florida. Maybe we'll go to Los Angeles. Maybe we'll go here. Ohio State, oh, we're going to go play Ohio. you got to be kidding me. That's great. Uh, there, were, there was no bigger disappointment that I've ever seen on a group of people's faces than having to go to Ohio. Not right. Uh, and so these folks get to go to the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, let's talk about Vikings and Packers here, okay. Myron. Now, what's interesting about these two teams to me is their trajectories. That for a time, it was Aaron Rodgers' division. And he's just better than everyone else. And, hey, maybe you get to be around and and play him for a significant game at some point. And maybe Joe Webb starts a playoff game for you. And, you know, so the Vikings kind of didn't have this thing going on where they didn't know who the quarterback was and it was up and down. And then in 2015, the tide starts to turn a little. And they go down to Lambeau with a chance to win the division. Teddy Bridgewater, they lock it up. They play really good defense on Rodgers. And since then... It feels weird to say that the Vikings have been the much better team and the more competitive team. They've been to an NFC championship, and last year they the Packers have to fire their coach. But now Green Bay is back, and now they're back at the top of the division, but with kind of a fraudulent team, a team that had to get some lucky calls, and we'll just call them lucky, against the Vikings, a very bizarre pass interference on Dalvin Cook. They had to get... Uh, hands to the face against Detroit. Like, there's a lot of things that have gone su- suspiciously right for the Packers this year to be where they are. What do we think about where these two teams can go in the playoffs and where these two teams can go over the next several years? Well, for me, I got to step back because I'm a Wisconsin guy who grew up in a Packers family who's lived in Minnesota for almost 20 years, right? And no matter what we say about the recent success of the Vikings, the Packers are still big brother. I mean, and the Packers are still the idol. They're, they're still the team that people go, they wish they could have what they have. They wish they could have back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They wish they could have the Super Bowls. They wish they could have that support, that devotion, that reputation. And the Vikings have been to the brink of excellence, but just stopped short too many times. So now... Whereas a Green Bay team in recent years that hasn't been great, but still when they get a chance, I mean, that Packers team that went down to Dallas in 2016, Dallas is the number one seed. They beat the Cowboys there advance uh, to play the Falcons. You, you still think that they have something called pedigree. Yeah. And I don't I think that. people view the Vikings that way. So now you look at the coming years and you go, is this the period where, forget the division, Shifting where the narrative changes about the Minnesota Vikings because Aaron Rodgers has not been the same quarterback. You got a guy who, with the proper time uh, at his best, can be a really good quarterback. The offensive weapons around him, but nobody will care if you don't do anything in the playoffs. And that is still the narrative. Like, like the Packers are a team where you go, you know what? They're struggling. They're struggling in recent years, but when they get into the playoffs, you're like, they got a chance. Yeah, because we've seen this before. The Vikings are almost the opposite. When they're successful in the regular season, people are going, we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what to expect. It's difficult to place expectations on this team. That's why I think Monday night is an opportunity to rewrite the narrative of a franchise going forward. To to 
start off almost with a clean slate going forward and say, this is going to be our era. If you win, if you advance to the playoffs, if you make a run, if you lose, if you stumble, and you don't want to lose both games, uh, the, the Rams are hanging around. Yep. So I, I think this is one of those moments where you understand that the Vikings have every opportunity to make a run here. They have the weapons, they have the tools, but who really buys it? Like, who really buys that they're the team that has more playoff vitality than the Green Bay Packers? It's hard to do that considering the history, considering the stumbles we've seen with Minnesota. Uh, It's just hard to go all in, even though I think on paper, the Vikings are the better team. My perspective here is quite a bit different than most Minnesotans or Green Bay fans in Wisconsin or Green Bay fans in Minnesota, which was one of the first things that struck me when I moved here. I went to a Bunch. Target and walked inside, and I'm like, wait, what? why are they selling Rogers jerseys? Oh, We're in Minnesota. Yeah. Okay, this is weird. Did I miss by a state? Um, and then you can flip-flop from year to year here, too, depending on what you know what suits you. Yeah, it is kind of so. weird. Uh, so that struck me right away that, oh, well, I guess there's a lot of Packers fans, but it would make sense because of, as you mentioned, the pedigree, that if you grew up not wanting to root for a team that always went 10-6 and six and got eliminated from the playoffs at some point, sometimes <laughs> yeah. in tragic fashion, yeah. sometimes at 41 nothing or, or whatever else it might be, then I could see how you would end up being a Favre fan and, and growing up with the Packers. Or if you're old school, how you watch them in the Super Bowls from back in the day and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but my perspective has been the fading Packers. It has been the... You know, Mike McCarthy's offense, what is going on with this? This does not look like a real NFL offense does in 2018 last year and, and sort of going through that. And then you know, they have that one game in 2016 where Rodgers just lights up the Vikings. But that is the last time I've seen a good version of Rodgers against the Vikings. The first half in Lambeau, he was really excellent, but... There were some screen passes mixed in. There were some wide-open receivers mixed in. And then once you got to the second half of that game, the Vikings' defense was really, really good. And the Packers' defense wasn't. And the same thing even for the tie game, where Rodgers made some awesome throws. 100 yards. And he threw for a lot of yards. But he just wasn't dominating in the same way. And then this year, as you've watched him throughout this entire season, they keep winning, but they keep winning by five against Washington or just barely having to hold off Chicago on the last drive. It does not seem superhuman to me as where some Vikings fans probably in the past would have looked at the matchup with Green Bay as, oh, I mean, this is this is everything. If we could beat them, then we're for real. That If we could take down Favre, if we could take down Rodgers, then that is the accomplishment of the year, and then everything else, we'll see what happens. I don't feel that fear of Green Bay coming. I don't feel the sort of, I don't know what you call it, in, in movies where they've got, you know, the big monster is coming and there's the, it's leading up to a final battle or yeah. something, right? Like, uh, the black people in those movies, right? So I don't know. We don't, we're never there for the final scene. They die in about the first 30 yeah, minutes, that's I true. think. That's true. Uh, <laughs> You're right. uh, but it doesn't feel that way anymore. It doesn't feel like there's just well, this titanic force coming toward you in the form of an unstoppable quarterback, whether it was Favre back in the day or it's Rodgers, and now they feel much more vulnerable, much more beatable, and much less like the team you're describing with that great pedigree. But when you look in the mirror and you're the Vikings, you see the same things with your team, right? I mean, you got a Dalvin Cook who's not going to play. You've had your moments where you know how bad this can get. You know you lost to the Bears of Chase Dan. You know you lost to Matt Moore. You know you've had these moments where you stumbled. 
The defense was amazing last week. Seven turnovers for the Chargers. Yep. Kirk Cousins? Yeah, had some moments, right? It wasn't this amazing performance where you said this guy's going to lead them to the Super Bowl. And I think that even if this isn't the Packers team, when they lost to the Chargers, lost to the Eagles, where you go, they're beatable. You still know that in this moment, playoff implications, uh, trying to get into the postseason, trying to establish your position and seed in the postseason, you know that you have failed so many times. You know that in these moments last season that you didn't rise to the occasion. And now here you are, where so many of us assumed this would just be a team that was trying to figure out home field advantage or not, potentially, you know, where they could play. Now they're trying to make sure that they solidify a spot and you're playing a Green Bay Packers team that is overall what you aspire to be. Because until you make that run to the Super Bowl, until you live up to the hype, you can't touch them, in my opinion. You can't be what they've been. And even though they're declining, Aaron Rodgers has a confidence of having been there. And the guys around him are looking at a guy who's been there. And in that locker room with Kirk Cousins, they're not looking at a guy who's been there. They're looking at a guy who's trying to get there. And that is a different mentality and philosophy when you're in the locker room with those different quarterbacks. That's why I think you win Monday night, you go into the playoffs. If you go on a run, that's what changes things. That That's what can change a franchise that goes, you know what, we're this close, we have a real chance. I wonder if this is not a team that's going, what's going to go wrong? Because <laughs> course, that, to yeah. me, has been Well, that's the, the entire franchise. Yeah, that's, to me, has been a situation far too many times. And that's what I thought. That's what I thought, Colin, when uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, the report that he might not play Monday, I'm like, uh-oh, you know, is this a team that is going to lose people at the wrong time? Is this a team that... That move alone could really cost them on Monday night and then maybe cost them uh, as they try to get into the playoffs. I just don't know what to expect from these guys, man. This feels to me very similar to how it always feels with the Vikings, that they are a very, very good team, but there is some element that is missing, whether it's the shutdown corner in a passing league or whether it's the clutchness of the quarterback who has faced four winning teams and is 0 for 4, and, and it just can't go without being said that yeah. you've beaten all the teams you're supposed to beat. You lost to the teams you're supposed to lose to, except for you shouldn't have lost to Matt Moore. Yeah. Um, but but even then, a good Kansas City team on the road, and you've had all these chances to rewrite the book a little bit, and you could say that the Dallas win was good. Yeah, it sure was, but that's a 7-7 seven and seven team, and if that's the one that you have to hold up like uh, the Lion King, this is our win with Simba yeah. or whatever. Like this is it. This yeah. is what we were showing everyone is our key win. Well, that's that's pretty weak. Yeah. Uh, and you, know, you go back through this team's history for as long as I've been watching them, it's always that same feeling. Aside from 2009 when they had Favre, where it was different, and it always is tied back into the quarterback position. Teddy might have changed that had his knee got not gotten hurt. Because he was still young, he was still growing, and by now we might be talking about Teddy as the guy who can actually do it because he would have continued to develop. But that plan got interrupted, and now it all points to Kirk. And I wrote about this for our website today, scorenorth.com, is that winning this game, it's not going to eliminate all the Kirk narratives. It's not going to make it so everyone goes, okay, Kirk Clutch, all good here. We don't ever have to talk about this again. But what it does do for the Vikings is it does give them that shred of confidence in the locker room, for one, that Kirk can play on Monday night versus the Packers when it really matters and it's a good team and playoff position might be on the line, that he can do that. 
And it also eliminates a lot of the questions that we were just sort of bringing up. When you didn't beat anybody and he didn't show up in the games you needed him to and Green Bay beat him twice, so you can't believe in them in the playoffs. I think if you're comparing win-loss here, the belief in your quarterback in the playoffs, if Cousins plays very poorly and they lose this game, your belief for them winning multiple road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl... Is almost at zero. Yep. If they run the Packers out of the building and Cousins throws for 400 yards, then you're going to say, "Yeah, I know it was a U.S. Bank Stadium, but this offense can beat anybody." And 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 that's maybe unfair in a small sample size in one game. But being the Packers, they're kind of the perfect team for this game to say something about who you're going to be going forward. And how many times have we been here? You know what? You're going on the road to play a team that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. Blow them off the field. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Couldn't beat the Chiefs. Couldn't do it. Was Chase sitting right Daniel. there for you. Chase Daniel was sitting right there for you. You couldn't do it. You know, and I think that to me is is the the issue is at, at what point is it a narrative versus being just the truth of your franchise? Like, at what point is it just the reality? Like, I think Monday could be one of those victories that propels the Vikings now and into the future. Uh, I think a loss is devastating. On a number of levels, because to your point, what do you do in the playoffs if you can't beat that team that's right there at home? If you can't get your offense going, this is a Packers defense that started out and everyone's saying, oh, my goodness, look at all the moves they made. They're going to be the best defense in the NFL. Rather pedestrian since those first yes. like three, four weeks yep. of the season. Right. So it's all there for you to not only win, but to have a really strong performance and to send a message that says, Look, we're for real. And I think that look, we're for real stuff, it's good for media guys like us. It doesn't mean anything to the rest of the league. It means a lot to the dudes in the locker room. It means a lot to your teammates. It means a lot to the guys on the sideline who are like, can we do this? And they have had far too many moments against winning teams where you're like, oh, they can't do it. So until you rectify that. And we have felt that throughout the season when they've lost to good teams that when you go back and you look on tape or you're there in the stadium and you're keeping an eye on other things that aren't on the TV broadcast, you see guys throw their hands up in frustration. You see people stomping off. You see Xavier Rhodes throwing his helmet. You see, uh, I think it was, Diggs went off on somebody in week four against Chicago and then didn't show up for practice. Yeah. And this has always felt like it's a little bit teetering on that edge. And this is the very rare game that I would look at and, and, and say it's much more about how you feel after than what the standings are. The reality of the standings is you're probably the sixth seed, and you're yeah. probably going to Lambeau, or you're probably going to New Orleans, and that's kind of the end of the story. Yeah. There's a good chance that if you win this one, you could get the five seed. Yes, you want that, but it's not so important that winning this game gets you in the playoffs because your chances are still extremely high. It really relates much more to what is the feeling of the team in there? What is the feeling even outside of there? Because we know this, Myron, that how about Mitch Trubisky having to turn off TVs? I mean, these guys, they can't avoid this. Kirk Cousins knows everything that's said about him on Monday night. He gets all the questions about it, and you should have seen his face. Uh, (laughs) Because you knew somebody was going to ask about the 0-8 on Monday night, and you of course, being Minnesota, we waited till the very last question of the press conference. Yeah, uh, yeah Kirk, you're uh, own eight on uh, Monday night. It just How's you it know, feel? and he tries to smile at every question, but that one he didn't. Um, but you know, you could change it. 
by winning this game. And, and it's, it really is going to be a narrative buster if they do and a, a confidence builder. So let's take a break. I've got a new game that we've been doing this week and I want to keep doing called the two minute drill, which is the most creative name anyone's ever come up very with. Very creative. Very creative. Uh, so you are going to make your debut I'll playing win. the two minute drill yeah, when win. we return. Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf on a Friday here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated? standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan, with the Score North download here, Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd over at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com. Keyword winter. Kirk Cousins talking to the media yesterday. Talked about missing the Pro Bowl and how much that affects him. It was a uh, uh, you know top heavy you know NFC. I think there were a lot of good good quarterbacks and a lot of players who could be um, justified in going. And so there's only so many spots and and you understand that. And uh, uh, you know that's that's okay. It's very diplomatic. I don't think I would have handled it the same way. Having the season that he's having and seeing who made it over him. But I guess that's the difference between Kirk Cousins and I. Well, one of them. That's just going Paycheck is a little different also, John. Is throw it? That out there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm going to assume so. <laughs> yes, very much so. I know that both of you probably got more in negotiations than you deserved, but... Uh... <laughs> wow. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> what a friend. I'm going to be judging yeah. the next segment here. What a friend. Oh, that's right. Remember that when you judge this. <laughs> what I meant is you I deserved more in negotiations. <laughs> I said that backwards because yeah. you will be judging the two-minute drill. Are you done? Did you have a no, that's ad it. to read or You're something? Good. Okay, good. Um, Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf back here on Purple Daily. And what we've been doing all week, and I hope to continue doing, is a fun segment we call Two Minute Drill. So ramp up that NFL music. And here's how it works, Myron. You have two minutes to make three different arguments and debate with me. We each have two minutes on the clock. And we have three topics. And Jonathan judges who made the stronger argument. And I'll make a tweak from how I've done this before. Before I've assigned your opinion, and then you had to make the case, but I'll I'll now let you decide which side of the debate you want to be on. So like here it. is the first topic: If the Ravens win, the quarterback position will be changed, and I mean win the Super Bowl will be changed forever because of Lamar Jackson. Do you want to argue that it will or will not be changed forever? That it will. Okay, let's start there. Do you want uh, who should go first, Jonathan? Road team goes first. Yeah, road team. All right, road team goes first. Jonathan, we'll start the clock. You have two total minutes to make all three arguments, so don't use two minutes just for this first argument. And go. The black people are coming to change the quarterback <laughs> position. No, I'm just kidding. No, no I don't want to say that. Um, I think I remember a time. Oh, the emails. I remember a time when we didn't lines. have a bunch of 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", wide receivers. Now that's just the norm. And I remember how Randy Moss was perceived when he showed up, his agility, his athleticism, uh, his size, and how that just sort of changed how we viewed 
that position and what a big wide receiver could be. Not just some big, strong guy, but a guy who could move and be agile. I think Lamar Jackson is going to create a new generation of quarterbacks. And more than anything, what he's going to change, you may not run like him. You may not play exactly like him. But it's going to be very, very difficult difficult to get a job in the NFL at that position if you're not an athletic quarterback. You don't have to run every time, but to not have the ability to do that, I think the pocket passer, the traditional guy who's not moving around the pocket, your Brady's, your Mannings, I think that generation is gone if Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl. How much time did you use there? Uh, you got 54 seconds left for okay. Next so you just over a minute. All right. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna tell me when to go. Uh, I'm gonna argue three. that he's not going to change the position. Two, one, go. All right. Um, Randy Moss is a great example because everyone started drafting guys hoping for Randy Moss, and they didn't find them. There is bust after bust after bust of six foot four, six foot five wide receivers. Oh yeah, we got the next Moss. No, you don't, because he is a generational all-time talent. The same way that I think Lamar Jackson, with this ability to run and throw the ball now this year, is an all-time talent. He is super unique. They show up once every 10 years. And if teams, I think teams will be smart enough to not say, let's find the next Lamar Jackson, because they will know there just aren't that many Lamar Jacksons. I will concede the point that athleticism has become much more of a uh, part of the game. But I also think that the NFL has enough of these teams and just look around, watch any fourth down on a Sunday and look around at how meat-headed these teams can still be, that they will still be enthralled with big hands and big arms that you can take at the top of the draft. You will still see your Josh Allens. Somehow you'll probably still see your Mitch Trubisky's taken at the top. I don't think it's changing it. I think we should enjoy the hell out of it, but I don't think it's changing it massively. How much time did I use? You've got 46 seconds left. Yeah, you used a lot of time. I used a lot of time. Did I win? both did. Uh, I'm going to give this one to Myron. I think there's going to be a lot more kids who see Lamar Jackson playing the way he plays and the style of quarterback that he is that previously didn't think they would be able to play the position, and there's going to be a whole lot more NFL scouts looking for guys who play like that now. All right, our second topic, Myron, you have 54 seconds left to use on our last two topics. Uh, we should be, uh, we should not be worried about the Rams somehow booting the Vikings out of the playoffs. Do you agree that we should not be worried, or do you want to make the counter-argument that we should be worried about them Rams? I'll make it that we should be worried. Okay, go ahead. What are the last two games? Green Bay? And then Chicago's waiting right there. I mean, could it get worse uh, for the Vikings in terms of the history there? Uh, a Bears team waiting to play the role of spoiler. A Packers team here on Monday night that's coming in, uh, hoping to add another win to their tally. So, to me, this is not a team that's reached a point where it can't be worried. 30 seconds. Uh, I think they certainly should be concerned about what the Rams might do. I don't think the Rams will, but I certainly think that has to be something on their minds. I think the Rams, I'm just going to go here, Jonathan, okay? Mm-hmm. I think the Rams win every other game. <laughs> and, and last week they didn't show up, so they could win this one. And uh, maybe you should be a little concerned about that element of it, of them surprising you, because McVay's still smart and all that. But this Vikings team is different than they have been in the past. Both games are at U.S. Bank Stadium. This is not last year where the number 3 receiver is Laquan Treadwell. It's not Kevin Stefanski just trying to figure out how to be an offensive coordinator. Gary is here. They will win one of the two. We won't even have to worry about the Rams. I'm going to give this point to Caller. You said it. You said the key point there. Both these games are at U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings just don't lose. So, 
How, how much time does he have versus me? 15 what? seconds for caller, 22 seconds for Mike. <laughs> right. We are terrible game. Got, got him, got him. We are I know. We managing are the clock. Right. And we sit there on our it's couch terrible. and go, I was going to say, caller criticizes coaches. What's wrong with this coach? This is terrible. Andy Reid, what are you doing? <laughs> I am the Andy Reid of my <laughs> own game. I invented the game. <laughs> you got 15 seconds left? All right. Last Good luck. One. Brett Favre is better than Aaron Rodgers. Which side do you want on that one? The no side. Okay, so Brett Favre is not better than Aaron Rodgers. No. That's what you want to argue yeah. for. All right, how many seconds do you have? 20, 22. 22 seconds. Go ahead. Go. Don't go over. Interception ratio, Aaron Rodgers versus Brett Favre. Mistake-free football, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Terrible, sloppy, ugly football okay. by Brett Favre. Huge risk taker. Strong outcome sometimes. More efficient quarterback by far, Aaron Rodgers. This is Rogers' world now, and we're all just living in it in Green Bay. All right. Uh, I have 15 seconds. Yep. Interception ratios in the year 2019, much different than in 1996. Three-time MVP. And if you give me one guy to make one drive and one big throw, I am taking the goat arm, Brett Favre. I'm agreeing with Caller here. I, I'm taking Brett Favre in any moment. Are you moment. kidding? Yeah. No, I'm not. I love Brett, Brett Favre. Favre's not better than Aaron Rodgers. But you didn't Aaron make the Rogers case good enough in 22 cautious. seconds. <laughs> Stop it. All right, so that is the two-minute drill. Hopefully we can do this every day because it's always fun and we can touch on some interesting topics. Do you want to talk more about Favre and Rodgers? And then I want to ask you about Delvin Cook. Um, I would take Favre over Rodgers. Right it, now? It, well, first of all, the statistics are such a problem with quarterbacks. Go look at John Elway's stats. You're like This guy couldn't be a backup. But he's not playing in the circumstances. And with Favre, three-time MVP, and when he has a 95 or 99 quarterback rating, the rest of the league had like a 75. He was dominating to the same level or higher than Aaron Rodgers was, but he was taking more risk. I do think it's a little bit of a misnomer, though. At his best, he's throwing somewhere between 14 and 17, and then he has pop-up years, especially when he was old. If we're we're going to talk about the 2005 Brett Favre that throws 29 picks as really Brett Favre, because I think of it as the 96 through 90 or 94 through 96 Favre that's winning the MVP or 95 through 97, where he's leading the league in yards, he's leading the league in touchdowns, he's way up there in quarterback rating, and I'll tell you the other thing, too, is Favre has this ability to have everybody behind him and care about him and love him and want to win for him that I would take in my locker room a lot over Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't have that same thing. I disagree with that. I mean, like Brett Favre certainly was a likable guy. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers hasn't been. I think Aaron Rodgers is supported by his team and community, and uh, they're just different dudes. You know, Brett Favre is an old country boy. That that's not Aaron Rodgers, so I, I disagree with that point. I will also say that first off, give one of those MVPs back to Barry Sanders. It was his alone, and he deserved it and should have had it. Uh, I also think if we're going to talk about eras, how many quarterbacks has Aaron Rodgers been up against in terms of greatness who are going to retire as a top ten quarterback all time? I mean, you but Breeze and Manning and Brady and all these other guys he's competing against. To me, it's it's a lot of the how many championships would Carl Malone have had if he hadn't played in the air with Michael Jordan? How many championships would some of the other great players in that era have had if they hadn't been up against the greatest of all time? I don't think Favre played with 
guys who were at the same caliber. So I think it, there was an easier, a better opportunity to stand out. I think Favre was a great quarterback, but I certainly think Aaron Rodgers in a world without Brady and Breeze and Manning and some of these guys who are going to go down, that is just Hall of Famers. They're going to retire some of the greatest of all time, maybe the top three, four, five quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers would look a lot different in terms of that competition pool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's uh, fair to look at this era of quarterbacks and say it's pretty hard to beat your Mannings and, and pretty hard to beat your Tom Brady's and so forth. But with Rodgers, he would often get that team to be there in the conversation, almost over the top, and then not over the top, which is a lot of Brett Favre's career. And in the NFC, is the competition quarterbacks in the NFC really the same as your AFC, where it's Manning and Roethlisberger and Brady year after year no. after year? I mean, I think there were plenty of opportunities for Rodgers to go deeper. And that's that's not to say Rodgers trash or, or something like that. It's just to say that they both kind of dealt with that, where they would get them so far and not always get over the top. And they did once, which makes them immortals in yeah. the game. And they dominated statistically. They dominated from visually that they were both incredibly fun to watch. If I'm just giving a slight edge to a guy, it always ends up being on Favre's heart a little bit. That where what does that mean? I don't know what that means. What it means is that I just would have more if I was his teammate. Love for Favre and belief in Favre. If I was on the field with him, even though I know he has that capability to throw the big pick. But I would rather have him throw the big pick because he was trying too hard for us than Aaron Rodgers throw it out of bounds because he oh. just didn't want to throw an interception. And and the interception ratio is great, but it's also kind of bogus because a lot of interceptions, there's been studies on this, a lot of them that, that Favre threw are Hail Marys, they're launching the ball down the field. Some were costly in playoff games, for sure. But throwing interceptions, it's a, it's a thing that we put a ton of weight onto with quarterback rating, and I don't know if we if we should. But this is about the oversaturation of statistics in this era, right? The problem is you can find a metric that supports your argument in any case, and that to me is the challenge here because you can compartmentalize any specific metric and go, hey, interceptions don't mean as much. Hey, this doesn't mean as much. I think collectively when we're talking about greatness, efficiency has to be a factor in how we measure Brett Favre. Brett Favre to me – is the Kobe Bryant of quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a guy who I think right now you go, who's who are the five greatest quarterbacks of all time? A lot of people are going to put Brett Favre in that conversation. A lot of people are going to mention Brett Favre. I think as we get go forward over time, he'll be forgotten because of the efficiency and what he lacked. Mm. I think he won't be wow, considered in that class. Wow, this is such a class. harsh take on Brett Favre. I think I'm Kobe really Bryant's in the same this. I think Kobe Bryant's in the same boat. Kobe Bryant is, is a great player and he's a guy where we go, "Wow, look at what this guy did with the Lakers five championships." As we move forward with the efficiency we're seeing with some of the players in the NBA, he'll be forgotten as well. He'll, he won't be forgotten, he'll be pushed aside in the conversations about greatness. And I think Brett Favre is in a similar boat. I don't think that that should happen. I think you should always be compared to the competition that existed then. So I wouldn't say, "Hey Jesse Owens, man, that guy's slow well, as hell." Look at look at you, you look at Usain Bolt, he'd run right by him. That's the same thing because I have this up right here. 1995, Brett Favre is number 1 in the NFL in quarterback rating. This year he'd be about 13th. But the average team in 1995 had a 79 quarterback rating. Yeah. And he was at 99. He was dominating the game in the same way that 
it was being dominated by Rodgers. In the same way that Michael Jordan hitting all those mid-range jumpers was dominating the game, but today, of course, they'd be three-pointers. Are we going to say, ah, Jordan, throw away my shoes, man. He was shooting mid-range jumpers. Screw him. No. Like, no, but that's the same kind of argument with Favre and all the interceptions. I just think it's like way overstated. He was annihilating the competition. Well, again, if we're going to bring up Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan actually stands the test of time. Michael Jordan, in terms of who he was as a clutch performer, like that's why Michael Jordan still gets all this love, even from the analytics guys, is because what he did in terms of being an efficient performer, that's that still matters and that still holds up. I believe he still is the greatest fourth quarter, the most efficient fourth quarter player in the playoffs of all time. You know, you're never going to take that away from MJ. I don't think I think Brett Favre is a great quarterback, right? So I'm not saying he's not, but I do think we can nitpick wherever we want. Like you and I can go back and forth in hours and talk about this. So was Brett Favre making passes to players who were matched up against six foot three corners who could run four fives, four fours? Probably not. Were the guys coming off the edge running four six, two hundred and fifty pounds? Like I mean, so there are a lot of things that we could do to say was the game a tougher experience for a Brett Favre versus an Aaron Rodgers. For me, I think the efficiency element matters a lot when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. And I think playing in this modern era is actually more difficult because of the athleticism on the field. We've never seen the NFL with this these kind of athletes on every single position, and that's what Aaron Rodgers is up against versus Brett Favre. Well, two things on that. I would right. look at it differently in terms of this era, which I, I think is the easiest to play quarterback that has ever existed. They can't hit you. They can't touch your wide receivers. You say the same thing and, about LeBron, right? I mean, and you, ha- but you have genius offensive minds too, and, and everything is laid out for you with pass interference and the rules for you to put up these huge numbers. And then when you adjust to these short passing offenses, your numbers can just be astronomical. We've seen the same thing happen in college. The great thing about Brett Favre is that we got to see him, though, in this era. It's not like talking about Elway, who we really didn't get to this passing era. We saw Favre at a million years old in 2009 have 107 quarterback rating, 33 touchdowns, 7 picks, 8 yards per attempt, 12-4 and record. We got to see him play with the modern rules, with the modern athleticism for the most part, and he annihilated the competition and of course threw a pick at the very end <laughs> and, <laughs> right, summed up everything right? Right? i mean it just it is the perfect brett Favre. uh but i like i like brett Favre's in terms of likability and appreciation for them which is a different conversation for who's better i appreciate that his deep rooted flaw was that he played with a bunch of concussions and a bunch of horrible injuries and probably threw way more picks than he should have because of that. His deep-rooted flaw, not that I say you should play with concussions, I'm saying yeah. that like his toughness was insanity. Yeah. And I, I love that he has this fatal flaw of trying too hard when it came to the biggest moments of feeling like it was all on him and he desperately needed to make a play because winning was the only thing that mattered. And, you know, that might be in Aaron Rodgers, too. It doesn't have the same feeling. It's not. It's not so present with Rodgers right. that you relate to this this great superhuman talent who has a kryptonite to him that he just tries too desperately hard in the big moments. It made Favre really lovable. Yeah, I think the differences in terms of their personalities were like Brett Favre was was pretty doggone happy to be. I think a second round pick get picked up by the Packers in a trade after playing with the Falcons. Like he was he was a guy who was happy to have the opportunity. Aaron Rodgers always competed with this, you looked over me. You passed me up. Yeah. I should have been the number one pick in that draft. Everybody knows it. 
and now I'm going to play with that chip. That's the difference. Aaron Rodgers comes off as being this arrogant guy to a lot of folks from the outside. Uh, I think that's the difference as well. He's dated celebrities. Like, he's on State Farm commercials. Brett Favre was doing Wrangler jeans commercials. So I think there were a lot of people who thought Brett was sort of this blue-collar guy versus Aaron Rodgers being a bit Hollywood. So that affects perception as well. But they have no problem with Tom Brady being as Hollywood as anybody. They seem to like that. So we're just so selective. And the problem why a lot of these arguments never make sense is because we have too much information and we can go back and forth in terms of trying to determine what's the more valuable metric in determining greatness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that there are a lot of good ways to look over it statistically. And then you combine that with how did you feel about that player? And, yeah. I, and I agree that it's always a moving target when it yeah. comes to, well, uh, how could any of us be not hypocritical when we're making our opinions about who we like and who yeah. do we not like? I mean, with Brett Favre, I'm just saying, what's great about him is that he choked all the time. <laughs> and they're like, well, what, what will you think if Kirk throws last reception? Like, oh, wait, I'll be <laughs> slamming this glass again like I was last year. Uh, so there, there is a, a, a bit of that. And um, with Favre, his, his joy for playing the game probably made him relatable even if you were a Vikings fan yeah. where he thought, you know, I want him to beat the heck out of that guy, but it's really impossible to dislike someone who plays with, with that level of joy. And when you see Rodgers look over to the sideline, he's got this big, you know, pouty face, yeah. and he's just, you know, I didn't want to play call or something. It just like doesn't have the same feeling. You can't relate to that guy, and there is, there is somewhat of a difference there. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, Myron, Delvin Cook is probably going to miss these last two games. He didn't yeah. practice today. Alexander Madison didn't practice either, so yep. it's the Mike Boone game. Now, I know you've mostly been don't pay running back guy. Not Delvin Cook though. I've been paid Delvin. But Cook you've guy. been Delvin Cook guy early. Does this does this change anything for you? No, no. I mean, I think he. Um, that's why I thought they should have paid him early. I think he's still worth a, a hefty paycheck. But I also think every running back, including. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley should have an incentivized contract. I mean, it should be very, very incentive-based, hitting certain targets, hitting certain marks. I don't think you give any running back in the league uh, a boatload of money at the outset of the deal. Uh, They've got to earn a a lot of it, or else you're going to be in a tough spot. It's just hard to pay even the best. When you look at San Francisco's team, it it becomes really hard to make the case – for paying Delvin a lot of money. As much as I think they will, and as much as I think he is an absolutely exceptional, exceptional talent, but San Francisco paid Jarek McKinnon. He hasn't played any towns for them. No. He's gotten hurt both times. And so that what did they do? Did they sign some huge money free agent? No. They have a guy who I'm not even sure how to say his last name, Raheem oh. Mostert. Yeah. And Matt Breida. And then they did sign Tevin Coleman, who has the fewest yards of their three running backs. And so they've tried paying running backs a couple of times, and it hasn't worked. But guess what? As a team, they have almost 2,100 yards of rushing. They have the same yards per carry as a team as Dalvin Cook has. Is Dalvin Cook a running back? Or is he something more? I don't think he's something more. After this year, I, I don't think he is. It's a lot of screen passes. It's not going down the field. It's not McCaffrey. I don't think anyone's McCaffrey. But I do think he's closer to that class of guys who stand out as being more than your traditional north-south running back than the rest. I think there are like five young running backs you might pay in the NFL right now. And I think Dalvin Cook is on that list. But again, not Todd Gurley money. You don't want to pay $40 million up front. You don't want that. I think that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, That's dangerous. Yeah, and, that, and that's the whole point is 
if you're going to tell me that this version of Dalvin Cook from weeks one until 11 is the guy I'm going to get for four years, then, yeah, all right, sign me up. That's my guy. But it becomes very difficult when you're missing games because of injury, again, and it becomes very difficult when you've tried to play through injury and your performance sunk, so now you're not averaging five yards a carry, you're averaging four yards a carry, and then I'm saying, well, if Mike Boone goes and runs for 100 yards and two touchdowns, that's really going to weaken the case for Delvin Cook. I'm I'm extremely conflicted about it because I tend to focus more on the analytical angle, but I've also watched this guy run through tackles like that like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Can you win a playoff game without him? This team, no. Yeah. Nope. That that to me is what his agent is telling the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. I agree. We're talking and, running backs, we're talking immediate victories. Yeah. If we're term. if we're talking right now, that's why you're sitting him these next two weeks, is yep. because you cannot win without him. He is that valuable to the offense. Myron, this is fun. Yeah, man. We'll uh do it again next Friday, maybe. Maybe. What's next Friday? Does anybody know? Is that Christmas? Is that, like, is that no, day after Christmas? Christmas? That's like two days Christmas? after Christmas. Is that Wednesday or something like you, that? Yeah, by that time, you... Well, and you'll need the money after Christmas. Probably. I need <laughs> so. it now. I just, I just hit... <laughs> my order on Amazon is crazy, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, oh, yeah. I know. Uh, I paid $90 to ship a small box today because nice. it got left behind to send to my parents and... Yep. Bad. Paying for that mistake. So, uh, anyway, the 27th. Yeah, you'll be around. Okay. I just signed you up for that. All right. All right. Thanks uh, for your time, as always. Zolgad's going to be in next. Matthew Collar here on Friday on Purple Daily. We'll be right back on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Um, It's always been pretty fun. Um, I do... Somewhat, I say somewhat, and I mean it. Miss playing at Lambeau at the end of the year, you know, uh, it's always fun. It's always a fun atmosphere. It's always extremely cold too, but it's always a, a fun atmosphere. And playing against your rival uh, late in the year, it's always a big game, no matter how's the season going for anybody. So um, it just happened that we were both at a point where we're trying to have a lot of success down the stretch, and um, I look forward to it. But in the past, it's been a lot of fun. So I anticipate this being. You know what we could do, Jonathan, someday in the summer is you play me a three-second snippet of some Minnesota Viking talking, and I'll tell you who it is. Like, I don't even have to ask you who these players are. Like, that yeah. was Stephon Diggs. I, I think that would be fun, especially maybe for a training camp game. Like, who is this guy? How about That's, this? Uh, Johnny Stanton. What if we get some of the more less talkative players that don't talk very often? Would you know it? I, I think so. I think Name so. Name that tune. So you cut it off as soon as you know. Yeah. So, like, if the guy says, uh, you're like, I know it. Bang. That's good. I have heard these people talk so many damn times in their lives. Like I said, or again, Rick Spielman. Oh, yeah, that would be. Again, Rick Spielman. Very easy, easy to figure out. Uh, Matthew Collar, Judd Zelgad here for our number two of Purple Daily. I'm going to hang around with you guys for a half an hour uh, with Mackie and Judd with Rami. If you missed any of our fun conversation, Rogers versus Favre, or the state of the rivalry, or our two minute drill with Myra Metcalf, make sure you go to wherever you get Two minute drill is exciting and new. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I sort of like this idea. Yeah, well, you'll get involved. Is that, is that you telling me that you want to be involved in a two minute drill? I'm such a hot routes guy, though. 
Yeah. So, like, yeah, if yeah. you brought me in and but, said... But two-minute drill is much quicker. Okay. Hot routes I are do love, long, fun conversations I admit, that we never know where they're going to go. I two, love hot routes. Two-minute drill is like, you got to get to it. In fact, Myron and I both botched it by using most of our time with the first question, and then we ran out of time. So, anyhow. You see? Clock uh, management's bad I know. with you guys, too. So they said, like, You've never played Madden. This guy's the, the one who's criticizing NFL coaches for the clock that's management. That's the irony of it. Yeah, when the pressure's on, it, it feels different. That's why you need someone up in the booth... Who is focusing on it? I'm just saying. <laughs> Called out. Um, Judd, you covered the Packers, if you've never mentioned that here on the show before, and you covered the Vikings. Uh-huh. Uh, this rivalry is in a really interesting place because Mike Zimmer has turned the tides on the Green Bay Packers by mostly beating them. There was the mutiny incident that happened down in Green Bay in 2016, an odd circumstance. There was the game earlier this year in which... Yes, uh, Kirk Cousins threw an interception at the end, a tie thrown in there. But aside from that, some pretty big moments in the Mike Zimmer era have come against the Green Bay Packers going back to 2015 when they go down to Lambeau to win the division. And then 2016, the building opens with Sam Bradford versus Aaron Rodgers, Mike Zimmer versus Aaron Rodgers in U.S. Bank Stadium. And Stephon Diggs has a coming out party and goes crazy in that game. And Bradford wins. And and since then, you never have felt like, oh, you're up against it. I don't know how they're going to beat these Packers with Rodgers playing the way he's playing or with Favre playing the way he's playing. Right. They have always seemed beatable since I have been here. Is that that's fair? That's absolutely fair. Does that feel like tides have turned, or is it always kind of been back and forth? It feels like it's always been, and it's been. Cyclical, certainly through the years at times, but it always feels like since I started to follow it, it's been back and forth. Going back to the 80s when the Packers stunk, so the Vikings beat them badly. But since they got, since they both have been good starting in 92, so Danny takes the job and lands here. Holmgren, another Bill Walsh disciple, takes the job and lands there and eventually gets Favre. That it's been back and forth, back and forth. Now here's where here's where I feel the rivalry is a little bit lacking now. Okay, I feel like among the key components, there's too much respect. Like Zim with Aaron, he always basically says we both are one of us has to go. But he's not saying that it's Aaron's going to go. He's saying somebody's got to go because they're so he's so good, right? You know, Tice hated the Packers. He really did. And it was fun. Tice told me, so my I, I was on the Packer beat for the Star Tribune, which I know sounds odd, in 2003 and four. And in 2005, Tice pulls me aside and goes, I just wanted you to know something. I'm like, what, Mike? He goes, I hated you because you covered the Packers. <laughs> like I was a Packer fan. But that's sort of what he felt, which was cool. Yeah. So it's fun. He it, hated the Packers so much he hated me. You. For covering a them. Minnesotan who lived there to cover them. Correct. And had no idea that I was not a fan. I was a person assigned to the Packers. Yeah. Much like the Vikings now. You are not a Vikings fan. You're there every day in your capacity for us to cover them. But the point being is I also admired the fact that, that he hated the Packers that much because it made it fun and contentious. Yes. It doesn't feel contentious now. It's still fun to watch, and they're good teams. But I don't look at Mike and think, deep within, he hates the Packers. Yeah. I think he looks at them as, how can I stop that quarterback? I think in the past there have been times where he would look at other quarterbacks and just say, can you imagine if that was my quarterback 
And, uh, you know, especially since things have been such a cluster with the quarterback situation since he got here, Mm -hmm. that he always turns it up to 11, the respect for other teams' quarterbacks. And maybe it's not necessarily because of that. Or just as someone whose job it always is to stop that guy, that it's a massive challenge. And when he watches the tape, and is up at 2 in the morning or whatever, watching the tape in his pull-out bed at TCO Performance Center. He's going... Is it a pull-out, you think, or a permanent bed? I think it's one of those that maybe drops down, but nice. I have not seen it. Okay. That would be my guess, that it goes... I'm sure he in, sleeps there. ...goes into the wall and then goes back down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he'll be sitting up late at night watching Aaron Rodgers' tape and just go, oh, you got to be kidding me, with some of the throws. And when you watch Drew Brees and he picks apart defenses, even when they're good and he scores 46 points against them, you go, what in the world? Or what Drew Brees did in the Minneapolis Miracle game to the Vikings just in the second half, throw after throw after throw that were unreal, and these guys are on a different level than as a defensive coach in a way you hate to see that because you just don't want that to happen to your defense. Sure. But you also kind of love it. Last night I was watching, and I have my Bucks shirt on today. Which is a classic Milwaukee throwback Bucks. old one. And that's the reason. People were I asking me, like, did you lose a bet or what are you doing no, with that? No, that's I just cool. Love, I love the jersey. The big B? The, the, the deer? Logo, Fear I mean. the deer? Yeah, I love the logo. No, it's great. That's that's how I uh, end up picking Touchdown things. for you, by the way. Yeah, UB Bulls, by the way, murdering Charlotte uh, in this. This is the first Bahamas one, right? Bowl. The Makers Wanted. Bahamas this is the first bowl. It is, bowl yes. game, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. And I have been doing the show with great joy and a bit of distraction because oh, the, I know. the UB Bulls are dominating you do love, Charlotte. You love your bowl games. Take that, Charlotte. It's a heck of a run. Charlotte, 49ers. 49. What? Do you know? I, I don't ask. Okay. You really know that? Yeah. Well, remember, I picked all the games. <laughs> no, I forgot. Charlotte 49ers. What was the point I was making before you distracted me? <laughs> on Mike Zimmer. Uh, on Mike, Mike Zimmer and quarterbacks. But secretly... He loves that he gets to go and beat Rodgers. Mm-hmm. He loves the challenge the same way. Oh, the Bucks game. They were interviewing the coach of the Lakers, Fred Hoiberg, before the game against the Bucks, and he said that Anthony Davis was hurt, but he was going to play anyway because he wanted to play against the Bucks and Antetokounmpo. And it's an early season game, and who cares? But here's Davis saying, hey, I, I'm the best. I want to play against the best. And the Bucks, who are they good? Um uh, the point just being that Zimmer fancies himself as great of a defensive mind that has been in the NFL over the last 10 years, and he has the numbers to back that up. And when you go up against the best quarterback and you can shut them down the way he has on a number of occasions with Rodgers, yep. but sometimes he gets you, sometimes you get him. There, There is a, a fun element to it, especially when the playoffs are almost secured, and especially if they are, there will be more of a fun element to it. He's some of the loosest times I've ever seen Mike Zimmer or when he's going to go up against Aaron Rodgers and when he gets nervous against David Blau or whoever. Yep. That's when you see the Zimmer that's a little more short with his answers and he seems more stressed out because I think he's afraid of losing to Brandon Allen or something. But with Rodgers, he knows this is a battle that I'm familiar with and that I kind of love. Do you agree with my assessment that I really go back now to uh, to – when Mike was hired to replace Les, and I really think a huge part of that charge was Spielman saying, all right, privately, I can't really find a, a QB here who, who can equal the QBs in this d- uh, division, especially Aaron. Yeah. So, Mike, what I want you to do is shut him down. Because it almost seems that the respect between Aaron and Mike and the way that Mike talks about Aaron almost seems like he acknowledges that he, at least in large part, 
if not solely, in large part got this job because they identified him. Because if you if you recall, if you've gone back and watched games from Frazier's last years here against Rodgers and the Packers, and the football's flying by guys' ear holes and cornerbacks are falling. Seriously. Yeah. It became a joke. He was he was so good, but more importantly, the Vikings had no answers. And I really think that they said to Mike, look, you're great with corners, you're great at defense. If anybody can help us beat the Packers, instead of trying to match them offense for offense at the time, 2014, instead of trying to just throw down and say, we're going to beat you and Rodgers 42-38, we're going to hold you to 24 points or, you know, 14 points. So I really think that Mike, Mike was brought here largely to contain one guy. It's actually a good idea, yes. considering that Rodgers wasn't going anywhere and Matt Stafford wasn't going anywhere to try and bring in someone that could even the score. And Cutler was in defense. Chicago at the time, and Cutler wasn't a joke. Yeah, yeah. And, and right, he could put up 350 yards any given game also. And he had some really good games against the Vikings, too, even the one in 2016 against Zimmer's defense. And then they invest the amount of talent to help Zimmer as well. I mean, that's another Correct. another huge part of it is... We look around and you see Pro Bowlers, guys who should be in the Pro Bowl, but somehow got screwed out of being in the Pro Bowl. And you combine those together, and it's made for not just a great matchup between Zimmer and Rodgers, which has kind of been how this is defined as Zimmer v. Rodgers. It's also been Harrison Smith v. Rodgers, which is a battle to watch. I promise you, if you try to keep an eye on the TV, is not always Super helpful for this. But if you try to keep an eye on where Harrison Smith is at any time, mm-hmm. it's one of the most fun things to watch. Is he at the line of scrimmage? Is he dropping back? Does Rodgers know how to adjust the protection if he, if he blitzes? And all those things. That one-on-one battle between those two is fascinating. The pressure that the Vikings can create against him and, and, and so on and so forth has just been fun to watch over these years. And I have Rodgers' numbers. Rodgers since 2015, because 2014, like, let's not even talk about yeah, it. Was, that's, that's not when they had their full That was not defense. his defense, really. Three, four, and one against the Vikings. Twelve touchdowns, two picks, 94 quarterback rating, and a th- 7.4 yards per attempt. <laughs> he still only has two picks yeah, at that time, huh? He doesn't throw the picks. <laughs> but one old. of them was to end the game in 2016. I think it was Trey Wayans jumped up and intercepted the okay. ball from Rodgers. Uh, but only 7.4 yards per attempt. He's been sacked 26 times in eight games. And been hurt By once. the Vikings and been very hurt once. Uh, only completes 62% of his passes. I mean, th- if you yeah. compare Rodgers Mike's done a really good job. all other teams, yeah. since 2015, this Vikings team has really pretty much had his number. Mike's done a great job there. He's done, if, if you go back now and, and probably look at the charge that they gave Mike the day that they said, you're our guy, he's done a really good job. He really did come in. Because keep in mind, too, I think that they, they were at their wit's end because aside from the one-year pop-up of, oh my gosh, Brett Favre is going to play here, you couldn't find that QB. Now, perhaps today, you have, I don't know, but if you go back through, you know, okay, we're going to try and draft Christian Ponder. Well, that didn't work. Okay, we're going to sign Matt Castle. That didn't work. Now we're going to bring in Josh Freeman. <laughs> so eventually you did say... That really didn't that work. That really didn't work, and, and passes are still flying all over Jersey because of that. <laughs> but if you look at all of those missteps and to finally have said, all right, let's get a defensive guy, and he's done a good job there. Here's yeah. my question for you. What do you expect on Monday night, though? Because 
The Packers don't scare me, and I don't exactly know why, but they just don't. There they might a little bit. Here they don't. But the change is this. Aaron is still good. He might be very good, but he's not Aaron. He's not 2012, right? 2013. That, that guy was incredibly special. Top five QB probably of all time. What do you expect, Matthew, from him now against not the safeties, but cornerbacks who are probably as as weak of corners, and, and this is speaking to how good the corners got for Mike, probably as weak of corners that Mike has had as far as reliability since 2014. Well, it's an interesting question because it's a team that does not have great wide receivers. Correct. And I was watching, grinding a little tape last night, Judd, and sure. there are times where Rodgers Rogers has a guy that might be open, and he's going to have to make an anticipation throw. But he's like, no, nope, no, can't do that. And there are other throws. He had one against the Bears where a guy, it's a crossing route, deep crossing route. He's probably 25 yards down the field. Rodgers gets a little pressure, flicks the wrist. I think it's Geronimo Allison. Wide open. Just should be a 20, 25-yard gain. Boop, hits him in the hands, just drop. And, and and I looked this up. He's had 24 drop passes this year or something in that ballpark. I mean, he's had a lot of drop passes. I mean, if you compare that to Kirk Cousins, even though people think Stephon Diggs has dropped a lot of passes this year, I mean, the whole team hasn't really at all for uh, for Kirk Cousins. He's had mostly people that, that are catching it for him, where Rodgers... Uh, let's see. Yeah, 24 drops this year, which is more than all of last year for Rodgers with two games still to go. Wow. Not great. Not great for uh, for Rodgers' receivers. A lot mm-hmm. of drops. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would say you don't really fear it that much. I mean, you fear them hitting on some big plays. But where Rodgers is really getting a lot of extra yards and extra help is from Aaron Jones. And from Williams, when they can drop it off to those guys and get on a quick screen or something like that. Similarly to Delvin Cook, that's where you really worry about, all right, is Aaron Jones going to be the one who breaks this game? That's weird to talk about a Packers team where he's not maybe the most scary, dangerous person that Aaron Jones might be. Um, But that really feels like the case to me, uh, that if Aaron Jones has a great game, the Packers are going to be really scary. Thing is, Eric Kendricks is playing the best football of his career, and Anthony Barr has a tendency when it's one of those sort of games that every so often he's going to have a great game. Not good, but legit great Anthony Barr game-breaking game. Wouldn't be surprised if this is the one, that he gets amped up to play against Rodgers again. And then you have these two great safeties that both could have been in the Pro Bowl and two defensive ends. One of them is in the Pro Bowl. The other one could have been. It's a defense with a weakness, and the weakness is very clear, and you can attack it. I'm not sure they have the people to attack it. Right. I, I would have a lot of confidence in the Vikings defense against the Packers offense at U.S. Bank Stadium. Do they have it? So with Jones, do they have an advantage just going up the gut there, too? Was the Seattle game an anomaly, or was that a real weakness that can be exposed? No, I think it was an anomaly. Okay, because that's the that would be the only one thing that if the Packers exploit it and the Vikings don't defend it correctly, could be a real problem. The problem with the, well, actually, you know, this team does have something similar to Seattle, which is, of course, a great running back and good offensive lineman and run blocking. They could also bring in extra tight ends or extra offensive linemen like Seattle did. But Seattle kind of does that all the time where they bring in the extra offensive linemen. And I don't think the Vikings were very well prepared to handle that. They were terrified of Russell Wilson throwing it deep. 
The whole strategy in that game, and it was remarkable sometimes on the TV, you couldn't even see the safeties. They were so far back. Their whole thing was, we're going to make you have these long drives. We're going to make Russell Wilson throw short passes, because if he throws long passes, we're probably going to lose. And, well, they made one mistake, he threw a long pass, and you lost. Yep. With those safeties that far back, that means Harrison Smith is no longer right up in the box, and that's where it's much easier to fill those gaps. Doesn't that... That forfeit a main strength if you're the Vikings defense. It does, but it also opens up a major weakness, and that's. But that is why right. having Mike Hughes in instead of Xavier Rhodes now might even the score a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Harrison Smith up in the box a little bit more. Problem though is, and I'm sure that uh, Mike and the old staff over there are pretty aware of this. That the top quarterback rating in the NFL when throwing deep is Kirk Cousins. Guess who's number two, and not far behind. Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, interesting. Uh, yep. And uh, he has, actually, Rodgers has more. And that's with guys dropping passes. More deep completions. And with guys dropping passes. So Rodgers has 125.7 quarterback rating when throwing deep. I'm certain they know that. And guess who's right behind them? Russell Wilson. Sure. So uh, they know that that's everything to them is handoffs to Jones, yep. play actions, deep shots from Rodgers. And even if he is washed... He's still got that accuracy down the field to make big plays, and they're going to be concerned about that. So if you're the Vikings, do you say, you know what, we're going to try to limit those and keep our safeties deep? Or do you say, we're not going to let Aaron Jones beat us, and we're going to bring Harrison Smith up into the box? I don't know what you do right there. You're relying a lot on Mike Hughes and and Trey Wayans, who just gets a free pass, and I don't know why. Maybe because Rhodes was so bad. Trey Wayans hasn't been the least bit good this year. Yeah, which is really... But Rodgers knows that. We've seen him attack the heck out of Trey Waynes before in the past. So pass one that, that he threw against the Bears last week. Perfect pass, right? Deep pass, deep shot. Great, pl- great play call. Goes right through his hands. Goes right through his hands. And that's where I can't decide if Aaron has truly fallen off or he's fallen off a bit and he's playing with a bunch of guys that just stink. Yeah. Uh uh, it was seeing, Williamson like Matthew. Yes. Like the ball went through it him. Does. It doesn't that doesn't happen. We're seeing with Kirk Cousins the same thing we saw with Case Keenum. We're like, man, has anyone dropped a pass this year? Except, you know, I know Diggs has dropped a couple. Yeah. When you only have had 17 drops the whole season long, and there are other quarterbacks with 25, 30, it's a huge advantage. Keenum had the same thing, and, and I think Diggs might have dropped one pass that whole year. Rudolph one has pass. Has Diggs the whole dropped year. a deep ball this year? One drop medium. There route. was one. There's been I, some. I think it was in Philly actually, or again. I think it was against Philly. It was like a 30 yard pass okay. that he could have had even another touchdown, but he couldn't get a hold of it. Okay, because I remember him saying after the game that he should have had it. Uh, oh, that's right. That's Trey right. Wayne's this year mm-hmm. quarterbacks throwing at him have a 111.4 quarterback rating. It's because Rhodes has been so bad. Yeah, that that's why really haven't paid attention to yes. Wayne's over his career. He has not been great, but he is having his worst year of his career. Mike has never had corners since 2015 struggle like this. Definitely not. I'm looking. I'm looking where that ranks, but it's not. It's not good. It's. Uh, let's see here. Where is it? Okay, it's the 18th worst for Trey Wayne's among yeah. all corners. Rhodes is second worst <laughs> among all corners. So which poison do you pick? If you're if you're the uh, defensive coordinator for the Vikings on Monday night, so let me put that in a better way. Wayne's in terms of quarterback rating against sixty sixth out of eighty three, okay. so not good. Um, I always err on the side of 
stop the pass first. If the other team is going to run on you, it feels worse than it is. It feels like you're drowning, but you're not. They're getting six yards a carry. Okay, they got six yards. Okay, they got seven yards. Okay, they got five yards. They didn't get 35. And if you're playing the two deep safeties, normally you can come up and stop plays before they turn into big rushing touchdowns or something like that. Mm -hmm. And against Seattle is a great example where the big play for Seattle is launching it 60 yards down the field on a pass where your safety wasn't there and Xavier Rhodes thought he was going to be. The rest of that game is a lot of short throws from Russell Wilson. And a guy drops a touchdown pass, but they stopped him in the red zone. A lot of times if teams are having to run and run and run and run, if you're going to not give up the play-action pass off of that, then the running is so much less dangerous. And even though at home you'll watch the TV and go, why are we getting run over? Is our team soft? What is wrong with these guys? But in reality, they've had to run four, five, six times to get the same yards you would on two or three passes if they're taking advantage of your corners and man-to-man coverage. Okay. Does that make sense? They do eat clock. But yes, I don't know yeah, if you, you care that yeah, much. You can't get the. It's harder to get. You the can't ball get the ball back. back. Yeah, it's harder to get the. And teams have done that to the Vikings yes. this year. And they, Seattle did a great job. Of that, they've right? taken what the Vikings have given them, and Seattle is a great example. And guess what? Against Seattle, you're right there with a chance to beat them. And and they still got that 60 yard touchdown, and you could have beat them. And and that yeah. game might look like this game. They might try to run a lot and then hit on a few deep balls. If you don't give up the deep balls, you might win. I am so excited to see the Vikings play a pretty good team. That's all I know. It's been a. I just want to. I just want to gauge. I keep telling you that. Uh, all right, let's take a break and let's look at this upcoming schedule here for this weekend. Because on Sunday, you and Saturday, as a football fan, you just get guilt-free, anger-free football that you get to watch and enjoy, and not have to rage about your team. So let's take a break and let's take a look at that triple header and what we're going to be seeing on Sunday. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad. It is Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North Download Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate. And the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd at CHS Field over in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. And the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword winter. Aaron Rodgers talked to the media yesterday and was talking about how he hasn't won at U.S. Bank Stadium yet. Despite winning over the years at the Metrodome and then TCF Bank Stadium, here's what he had to say about going three years and going winless at U.S. Bank Stadium so far. Yeah, I mean, it means we're due. It means we're due. Uh, we won in Minnesota over the years. You know, we won in two different stadiums, so nice to make it three. We'll see how that goes on Monday night as the Packers come to town to play your Vikings in a key matchup in the NFC North. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on Purple Daily. The UB Bulls are up 24 to 6 in Bowl Day. Happy Bowl Day, Judd. Oh, happy Bowl Day, Matthew. Bowl Day. We get to have bowls. What stadium is the the Makers Wanted Bahamas? It's just in a field. They they were saying Makers Wanted, (laughs) they they wanted someone to make them a stadium. They picked a field? Yeah. High school Uh, field? The Charlotte 49ers struggling here against uh, UB in the Bahamas Bowl. So if you gambled on that one, hope you picked. UB for this one. So, anyway, I wanted to look at, at these games. This is such a fun schedule. There's so many different ways that things could go. And these games, Saturday, December 21st, tomorrow, are all awesome. 
sit on your couch. You're watching them all? Do nothing else. Well, yeah. I mean, is there bowl games? Oh, yeah, of course there's going to be bowl games tomorrow. Hold on a second. I can find out what bowl games. I'll check on those you at keep, halftime. You i got to watch NFL games over bowl games because it's the job. See, I'm pulling out like, my Star Tribune. Oh, full slate tomorrow. Celebration Bowl, 11 a.m. at Channel damn. 5. Alcorn State, NC. All right. I need more TVs. The I need Mexi- more TVs. The New Mexico Bowl. The Cure Bowl. Uh, the Boca Raton God, Bowl. They're all so the great. The Camellia Bowl. I can't believe the I'm Las going Vegas to have to Bowl, miss them. The New Orleans. There's like five bowls tomorrow. <sighs> two TVs. Well, two TVs. Well, is that what you two, said? it's got to be two TVs. The slate for the NFL though is so good. It's Houston at Tampa to start out, uh-huh. which might sound like Houston at Tampa. What is this? The worst Jersey ever bowl, uh, but Tampa is all of a sudden playing pretty well. And Jameis Winston is throwing for 400 yards and a bunch of touchdowns and a couple picks now. But at least he's entertaining to watch, I guess. They've got a really good coach in Tampa is what they Yes, got. they do. Yes, they do. Big and fan. If, and if they had a non-joker quarterback who didn't just throw it wherever, whenever, they probably would be right there in the playoff hunt. But they're not. And what a shame. You hate to see it. Jameis Winston not playing well. <laughs> uh, but Deshaun Watson going there. Houston's trying to hold on to their playoff position. That could be a very good game. Middle of the day, you have Buffalo at New England, which is Buffalo's chance to prove that they're for real and uh, to have a shot at winning the AFC East even, which is something that we would have never dreamed of talking about as long as Tom Brady was the quarterback. Do you still think they're not for real? The the last time we talked about the Bills, you thought they were... I don't think they are. Not for real. They're making the playoffs. I mean, they're in. So they're for real enough to be in the playoffs. But, yeah, you know, Duck Hodges threw them... Four picks, and they scored 17 points and celebrated it as if Jim Kelly had just come back and thrown for 400 yards. And anyone who can explain the Steelers' play calling to me from that game, I'd really appreciate it. Duck Hodges whipping the ball down the field into the end zone at the end of the game? No, it did not make a whole heck of a lot of sense. This game could be 6-3. to I don't know what the weather's going to be like in New England, but you have two really, really good defenses. And this is where I would give Buffalo a ton of credit is Sean McDermott's a great coach. Their defense is fantastic. It has talent all over the place. They have good running backs, decent wide receivers, a great offensive line. They've built everything around this mediocre to bad quarterback, and it's been enough to beat all the bad teams this year. But the last time they played New England, Brady was horrible. New England's offense was horrible, and yet Josh Allen was worse. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that again. How much differently, and this is a year plus past the fact, how much differently now do you interpret the Bills' destruction of the Vikings that day? A little, a little, because the at, at very least, the quarterback can run, and boy, did he ever that day, and jump over Anthony Barr. And the defense has proven to be super legit. They are an excellent defense, one of the top five in the NFL. They have great cornerbacks. They rush the passer extremely well. You know, Jerry Hughes wrecked that game, and he's a, a really excellent player. Yes, And McDermott, when especially I've watched him against you know someone like Dallas or Dak Prescott struggled all day and I thought a lot of it was scheme stuff that Sean McDermott uh, did a really good job with and we saw that against Pittsburgh too. I mean, Duck Hodges is awful, but they made him look awful. Like you should take a bad quarterback and make him look worse. For the most part, they have done a really excellent job and on defense over the last two years. And Buffalo, even from that moment, they lost those first what two or three games. Must have been first two. And got killed by everybody. Since that game, they're well over 500, I 
think. What did they go? Six and ten last year, so that'd be six and eight and then ten and four. Yeah, they were. Yes. So so yeah, I mean, since that moment they've proven it's not as bad of a loss as it seemed at the time. Not even close, especially since Vegas was putting, you know, seventy points on the Vikings or something. So that one will be great. Can Tom Brady pull something out? Did they potentially film the Bills doing anything? <laughs> We'll find out. It's at New England, so you know that headsets are going out and such, and the fire alarms getting pulled the night before, and all. You got to expect that, but it, but but it's Buffalo's chance to say, "Hey, we are a real contender here." And then, I mean, if they do that, then I'll tell you, "Hey, if you can move it against the Patriots' defense and figure out a way to beat them in New England, yes. then you have you a, know good, what? a good case for being for real." Hotel wise. Don't stay near Foxborough, okay? Just stay in Boston. <laughs> if you're a football team, stay in Boston, and then you're probably fine. That's the problem. Foxborough's run by the Patriots. It's Craftville. Yeah. It's just Craftville. That's all it is. So they get out. pull the fire alarm, which is totally legit, and make sure that you hear hooked on a feeling every time think, you try to call in a pass play. I think if I'm not mistaken, I've heard the same exact story in Appleton. About Packers opponents as well. Oh, pulling the fire alarm. Yes, yes. And the Packers, and by the way, if I am correct, uh, Green Bay slash Appleton was the last city to finally approve, and I'm not joking here, that the team buses could run red lights. (laughs) For a long time, they made them stop. Every red light. Because everywhere else, you know, they've got the police people, the police motorcycles will lead you through, sirens going, motorcade going for you. Appleton was the last one. They made him stop at every light. So everyone could throw stuff at the bus? So they would just be annoyed. They just wanted to annoy him. Oh, I see. Wasn't that the Moss reason for the mooning thing? Was yes, because they moon the buses. Yeah, they moon the buses. Yes. That, that disgusting act actually originated with the Packer fans. I've seen more disgusting acts than that. Los Angeles at San Francisco is the night game, and this mm-hmm. is the one that you have to watch as a Vikings fan. It's at San Francisco. It seems like an uphill battle for Los Angeles. But Myra and I talked about this a little earlier in the two-minute drill, which someday soon you'll get to participate I'm, in. Just, I'm losing faith right now. I think I might be out on The that. question was, is Los Angeles still, in the back of your mind, dangerous? And I'll make the case that they could be because last year at this time, the Vikings had just beaten... What was it? Miami? They had just beaten the hell out of Miami. Yes, Stefanski's first game as OC. And we were in a spot where they had, whatever it was, 85% chance at the playoffs. And so we were going, well, you know, how's it going to look at the playoffs? Who could they play? How would this matchup work? And then guess what happened? Everything turned wrong for them. You go to week 17, you come up short. This could get really hairy really fast. If Los Angeles surprises us and goes to San Francisco and wins that game and the Vikings don't win, then all of a sudden you're in Week 17 needing to beat the Bears and needing Los Angeles to lose to Arizona. Uh, Right? All of a sudden. It's making me uptight. Right now, we feel very secure about the Vikings' position. Yes. By the end of Saturday, it could be much much more nerve-wracking. So tell me this. What do you make of the Rams? Because I, I have, I have no given idea. up. I have given up. I don't know. I had them back in my, oh boy, they could be dangerous a week ago. And then Dallas? Can, can rolls we just, you? Can we look at how silly their season has been for the Rams? Where they've had, they have had games where you felt really great about them. Whether it was offense or defense. Really good wins. Uh, they go and beat Atlanta, which is not a great team, but they crushed them 37 to 10. Okay, they're back. They're rolling. Uh, they beat Seattle 28 to 12. I know. Like, what a great game. That's where I took them seriously. But they lost 45 to 6 to Baltimore. 
They lost to Seattle. They lost to San Francisco at home earlier this year. They got beat 55 to 40 by Tampa. And then last week, 44 to 21. And now they've got to go on the road again. But nothing would surprise me with this team. At what point did, did they make all of the uh, defensive back changes and trades? Ramsey, they acquired from Jacksonville. They mm-hmm. then sent Marcus Peters. They sent another cornerback packing, right? It would have been at the trade deadline, right? Yeah. When is that? Week. It was what is, what right is it around. Now? Is it week eight now? Yeah, I think I think that's right. It'd have been midway through the season because it was Peters to Baltimore, right? They got Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Didn't they jettison another cornerback as well? I thought they made... uh, Akib Talib, but I think he was on IR, okay. so it wouldn't have mattered. Okay. Uh, the other loss that's kind of puzzling, and I know they're coached by a great team, and it was on the road, but losing to Pittsburgh after Pittsburgh, you know, had I think Mason Rudolph starting that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, yikes! It, I don't the know. The Baltimore I... loss. It wasn't that that was embarrassing. It was how they lost it. Just getting murdered. Yes. Just having them run right over you. Yes. I don't have a good feel for this team, though, because when they can crush Arizona that's gotten more competitive and then really beat the heck out of Seattle and then lose like they did to Dallas, they're capable of anything. Uh, KG would say they're, you know, anything is possible with the Rams. That's what he would, <laughs> what would be he referring say exactly? to. Anything is possible. And then in parentheses, with the Rams. Okay. That's what he would say. <laughs> I wouldn't count out that they could beat San Francisco. San Francisco's defense is great, but it's banged up. They had five and guys out last Sunday, right? The, yeah. Five they, starters out. And they just allowed all those points to New Orleans recently. That's the one to watch that I will be super, super interested in. Okay, let's go down that path. If that happens and the Vikings don't beat the Packers, how tight is TCO oh, Performance Center next week? Because <laughs> now you're playing a team yeah. that you don't trust not to beat you. Yep. You know, until you beat the Bears now, I you can't say to yourself, they're going to quit. And by the way, I think they might not quit. I don't think they'll quit. I keep saying that. I keep saying, I don't think... Trubisky's playing for money. And I don't think point. they hate their coach. I don't think I think he's so goofy, either. but I don't think they hate him. And Akeem Hicks, probably going to play in that game. Khalil Mack's not going to quit. Khalil Mack's going to want to take out his rage on Kirk Cousins' head. And last time they played, he most certainly did. Indoors? <laughs> it, it, on turf, it's comfortable. Yeah. Yes, and, and they just did them. it to him last year. That that would create a, a a lot of anxiety inside of TCO Performance Center for the whole week and US Bank Stadium for that game. And I would enjoy it to some extent because it would give us some drama for Week 17. Vikings fans, of course, would not. Um, but it would not shock me if anything happened. If Los Angeles completely rolled over and got beat by 30, I'd be like, oh, that's typical. Yep. If they beat San Francisco by 20 points, it's like, well, okay, Los Angeles, Sean McVay figured it out. Uh, on Sunday, Judd, there are some interesting ones to look at, too. Um, Seattle at Arizona, or I'm sorry, Arizona at Seattle is one of them. Also, Dallas at Philadelphia are... <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, don't even start with and, and New Orleans at Tennessee. None of these sound like I desperately need to watch these games, but they matter. New Orleans at Tennessee is one that weirdly matters to the Vikings. Call it the old playoff machine here. But we've talked about it where we don't want the Vikings to end up seeing New Orleans. Yes. So let me figure out who you should be rooting for on that one. I think you got to be rooting for Tennessee. Yeah, didn't we do this on Monday or Tuesday? We did, but I want to do it again because I can't remember what that was. Yeah, I thought it was Tennessee. Yeah. I think you end up having to root for Tennessee because, let's see, in Week 17, who does New Orleans play? They play Carolina. They'll win that game. Yeah, if, um, if, if they split, there's a good chance that New Orleans ends up with the two seed if New Orleans goes. But if somehow New Orleans were to lose to... 
the Panthers, then they play. So I, I think you actually want to root for New Orleans. You want to root for New Orleans no, to get to the two confused. seed. confused. Okay. Yeah. Oh, to get out of, okay. Yeah, they, you so don't then want they're out of your three way. seed. All right. Right. Because they could possibly end up with a three seed, and then you go there. But if New Orleans wins both games, there's a good shot they get the two. Is Ryan Tannehill good? You know, man, this playoff machine is super fun, but also super confusing with like, well, if this happens and this happens, oh, okay, so here's bad news. If the Packers win both games and New Orleans wins both games, you still go to New Orleans. Okay. Which, sorry, everybody. Okay. So, anyway, anyway, just root against New Orleans to play against you. Do the best you can. Uh, what was the question? Is Ryan Tannehill good? Oh, yeah. Well, um, is this real? Is is this a guy who is just so mismanaged in Miami? And by the way, if your answer is yes, is Josh Rosen good then? And just being ruined? Mm, uh, Josh Rosen. I've heard differing opinions I, about Josh, including that he's not good. I don't know if he'll ever get a chance to show if he's good. That's the unfortunate reality of Josh Rosen. So you're saying circumstances might just ruin him? Very, very possible he doesn't even get that chance to prove. Like Tannehill's gotten this chance. He had to be a backup first, um, but he also had a bunch of years as a starter before that where Rosen. A year as a starter and then the backup to Fitzpatrick because his psycho coach wants to win games. We didn't even get a sample size with Miami starting to play a little better and starting to act like a real football team. They were just a complete laughing stock when Rosen was in. I don't know on him. The answer on Tannehill is yes, but not this good. He, in the past, had years where he got them into the playoffs. Remember, Matt Moore had to start in the playoffs because Tannehill got hurt. Yep. But he was really good that season. Last year was... The anomaly for Tannehill, where he was absolutely horrendous. Adam Gase is absolutely horrendous. That team was falling apart. That's where I would look at it and say, okay, 2018 wasn't really the best version of Ryan Tannehill, plus he was coming off a year-long injury. The rest of his career, by PFF grades, by yards per attempt, things like that, there was a, a lot of promise in him. I'm not super stunned by it, because that's a really, really good team, I think. In Tennessee. Yeah, they have a great yeah. running back. They have good receivers they that they drafted. Bad, they just had a bad quarterback. Their coach might know what he's doing, unlike previous Tennessee coaches. Except he's got to calm down. He shouldn't melt down at reporters like he did on Sunday. Oh, that did was, he? I didn't see that Yeah, one. he he melted down. Ah, well, it, it, happens. it happens. It does happen. Okay, keep going through the game. Um, how about Dallas and Philly? I, I don't even how know where to it? begin. How about it, it? It's a gong show. It's a complete gong show. It's a joke. Yeah, do we have to? Do you like my rule? Very, very simple. If you are not at least 500 and you end the season atop your division, you're just out, and we take the best team to replace you. I like almost and we just seed from there. Any idea that I've heard is almost better. Here's my than problem: how it is currently. Here's my problem: once every ten years for a potential team below 500 to win a division is too much. Like for those who say, "Well, you know what happened ten years ago, and now it's just going to happen again," and it's cyclical. No, it shouldn't. It, it can be fixed. Well, one of these teams will be 500 because somebody's getting their eighth win. And then even if they lose week 17, they could still end up nine and seven and be a laughing stock of a team. Yeah. That's why yeah. I think it should always just be let's go one through six by record, keep the divisions so you can have the rivalries and they matter. And hey, you could put up a banner. If you're Dallas in my scenario, you would not be in the playoffs. But you sure as heck can raise a banner. Good for you, NFC East champs, 2019. Congrats. But Dallas and Philly, neither one of these teams even remotely deserves it. Nope. Where it's interesting is Dak is hurt, probably going to play. Of course he's going to play. They're yeah. not going to throw whatever he's joker they have behind him. He's going to play. His name 
Tony Rush or something. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Carson Wentz has no receivers whatsoever. Yep. I don't even think he knows the names of his receivers that he's throwing to. But that might be just enough. With Dak being hurt, it being at Philly, which is never fun, it might be just enough to give Philly the advantage. And if you're the Vikings, since there is still a shot that you could get the five seed, you've got to be rooting like crazy for Philly. right? You've got to be saying, yes. Eagles, Eagles. If you're giving me the choice, that's right. Yes. If if you're giving me the choice between those two teams going to Dallas, where they can sneak up on you and all of a sudden have this fit of excellence and be great for one game and beat you, versus Philly with no receivers and not a very good defense, and you absolutely smoked them the last two, uh, the last yeah, the last two times you played on defense. Give me Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'll take either one without a complaint. But yeah, if I can play a team that is is that, what's the right word for both of them? Dysfunctional and that short on receivers? Absolutely. I've got a great chance. I love my chances. I would have to not show up to lose that game in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's just, I, I just, this to me, this whole seedings thing is not nearly as difficult as it's become and to actually have a conversation about anybody traveling to the NFC East champion to play is a joke. Yes. It's and just that not necessary. could very well be your squad. <laughs> but yeah, but if you're the Vikings, yeah, you should be happy yeah, about that, it. That could be Zim would be so stressed out, though. Oh, yeah. Because, because he'd be incredibly you, stressed it, right, out that they wouldn't lose, take him seriously. If you lose, it will look really bad for you. Mm-hmm. If you have to go to Philly and somehow they beat you, and you're just like New Orleans when they went to Seattle, and Seattle's a 7-9 and team and comes out with the win, Amen. it would be really crushing for you to be that much better and come out with a loss. The other one that matters is Arizona at Seattle. And however you want to put this, Seattle plays a role in potentially getting you to the 5 seed. Because I believe if Seattle loses week 17, then you've got a shot at it if you win both games, if I am not mistaken there. Uh, If you beat the Packers and the Bears? You have to beat the Packers and the Bears, and Seattle has to lose in week 17. I'm assuming they're going to win this one, but if Seattle were somehow to lose this one, that would even solidify the case. Oh, no, actually it doesn't. No, they actually need Seattle to lose both these games, it looks like. And Seattle's got who in week 17? Uh, They have San Francisco. So they could lose that game. Yep. But they probably have to lose to Arizona, at least the way that I'm fiddling around with the playoff machine now. But don't take me 100% seriously because I'm just, like, pushing buttons. So you're saying to get the the Vikings to the 5 seed to have a chance to play, instead of playing, for instance, the Saints or something like that at the 6, you'd play the Cowboys or Philadelphia? Yes. Okay. And that's what you want. So you want to root against Seattle for both of these weeks. And you want to root for Kyler Murray. And Arizona is an interesting team, but at Seattle, that's going to be pretty hard. They got a little problem with defense last I checked, don't they? They do. They're terrible. And then, what a perfect way to finish it up for the show today. Green Bay at Minnesota on Monday Night Football. Uh, Let me ask you a quick thing. Delvin Cook not being in. uh, We've talked about a lot of different elements of this, and he's not practicing today. Neither is Alexander Madison. Is that a big deal, though, for winning the game? For winning one game against a tough team, but certainly not a great team, this is going to sound crazy. Because in week two, Dalvin Cook was magnificent. He was absolutely fantastic. But I don't think so. And here's why. It's not Mike Boone. It's the scheme. How many guys, my guy again, I'll sing it for the mountaintops, Matthew. 
My guy Coops. How many guys is your he guy turned, Coops. How many how many guys who average thought? Joe's off the street has my guy Coops taken and said, "Here's the football. It's a pigskin. Yep. Run like the wind." And they got the zone blocking scheme and it works. And I'm not trying to say it has to work for six games, five games, right? It only needs to work for let's say two games. So for one game in particular, do I think Cook not playing is devastating? No. Now, do I think it's it's devastating if he can't start the playoffs? And now play action doesn't scare teams as much in a playoff game? Yes, I think that's a problem. This game, I think I think you're okay. So I tend to agree, but there's a few areas where I would be concerned. Number one is pass blocking. Dalvin Cook is, in general, a very good pass blocker over his career. He understands pass blocking extremely well. I don't know if Mike Boone does. Sure, Amir Abdullah probably does because he's been around a lot, mm-hmm. and that means you have to play Amir Abdullah a lot, and that's not something you necessarily want to do. You can fumble. The other area is the Packers' defense, knowing that Dalvin Cook is out, does not have to prepare for Dalvin Cook, doesn't have to have the terror that goes along with playing against Dalvin Cook. And they saw that before when he busted off a 75-yard touchdown run that Delvin can do things that no one else can do, including Mike Boone. And with Delvin, even when he's been hurt, you still see teams putting so much focus on him. You still see them bringing up a guy into the box. And then, I looked at this on tape, very clever way Stefanski gets that guy out of the box sometimes when they run. Um, But for the most part, you see teams putting a lot of focus. The linebackers are jumping up into their gaps. They know that oh, we can't let Delvin Cook bust off a 75-yard run on us. He's an MVP candidate. And they'll still do that even when he's hurt, even when he doesn't have the same amount of burst that he did early in the season when he was battling the injury. I don't think there's going to be that same sort of fear. And the worst thing for the Vikings offense is if a team focuses on making sure they stop the deep ball and Kirk Cousins. That's where they've had all their success passing the ball. And if they put that focus on stopping the deep ball and not worrying as much about stopping the run, saying, well, if Mike Boone's going to beat us, then go ahead, let him beat us. Yeah. That is where I would say it's it's not so much about player v. player for one game. Mm-hmm. It's how the other team is impacted by that player even being in the backfield. There's a bit of a football. football. There's a bit of a sick side of me, though, that wants to see one thing. How much different is Week 16 Kirk from Week 2 Kirk? And if Dalvin doesn't play, we're going to find out because it's going to test it. Because Green Bay had a marvelous game plan. They basically told Dalvin, all right, you want to beat us? Beat us. And he almost did. And he almost did, right. <laughs> if you take him out now, I'm very curious. Week 16, Kirk, there's a lot on you right now. And, and There's a side of me that wants to see that. i got to admit to that. And this is why this game has the potential to be great for Kirk Cousins. It has the potential to be the one that the whole locker room looks around after that game, and they go, he did the thing. I know. He did the That's thing what that I'm he, saying. He did that That's thing. That's what I'm saying. That he, thing. Everybody says he can't. He did it. Look at him. Did you see eight? He did it. That's what, I know. That's going to be the There's feeling. a side of me that wants to see that. All right. That's it for the show. Monday is going to be great. I'm going to stick around for another half hour. Monday is going to be great. Sage Rosenfels, Eric Eager is going to be in as well. So there will be a game preview, maybe a game-specific hot routes. I don't know. It's going to be crazy. All right. We will uh, catch you on Monday and prepare you for Packers-Vikings then. But I'm going to hang around and talk with these guys for another half hour. 
Whether it's Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp Apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Fred Meyer has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.